Welcome again for those of you that are just joining us today. We're so glad you can join with us. And I pray in Jesus' name that you are blessed by what you uh, hear and uh, what God speaks to you today. No matter where you are on your journey with Jesus Christ, I believe something that can be said today will inspire you, challenge you, and ultimately transform you into what God has for you. Before we do that, I want to start this morning with something I'd like to show you. And um, it's kind of maybe lay the foundation for what I'd like to talk about today as the Lord leads. So just take a moment, if you would, and watch. Drew, Laura, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. Jesus, what is he doing? You're supposed to be dying right now. What? Get back oh. up on the cross and stay there until we tell oh. you to come down. Play dead. Oh, but I haven't seen you in so long, you know? I mean, I just want to sit and talk. Jesus, I'm so sorry you had to die for us. That must have been so terrible. Yes, uh, I died, but... Look, I want you to concentrate on my life. I'm alive now, you know. Technically, you're not alive until the last five minutes of service. Now, put this on. What What are you doing? I, I've already been through all this, guys. Look, let's focus on our life together. Okay, Jesus, we're remembering you. We're sorry you had to suffer. Yes, I suffered, but I want you to understand what the suffering was for. It's so that you could live like me. Did you really go to hell for us? Oh, I can't imagine what that was like. Was it hot? Did you see Satan? Okay, is this a joke? You know, Jesus, you're not taking really? your death very I... seriously. Now, please, be respectful of what you did 2,000 years ago. Uh, okay, um, my death is where life began. I did that so that we could have this. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Whoa! Guys, stop this. I'm alive. Jesus, we know you're alive. Now hold still. If you know I'm alive, why do you keep treating me like I'm not? Last uh, two weeks ago, we um, celebrated what uh, we call Easter Sunday. Um, and as a part of celebrating Easter Sunday, uh, most of us gave acknowledgement to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have celebrated the fact that we are... Um, we, we believe that Christ died, uh, and we believe that he rose from the dead. Um, but I want to challenge you today, and I want to kind of actually, I believe through the help of the Lord, kind of speak to two different categories. I want to speak today to the ones that maybe you're watching for the very first time, or maybe you're, you just started watching and you don't, you don't really know a lot about Jesus, or maybe you're just starting to learn more about him. And if you would ask your, your, your relationship with Jesus Christ and your walk with Christ is not maybe advanced. Maybe you're just starting to learn. Maybe you're just starting to grow. Maybe you're just starting to be introduced to things. And so you don't really know the difference between Genesis and Revelation. If I told you today uh, the book of Judges, you might think that I'm about to introduce you to court TV. Um, you may not know enough. And so maybe that's where you are. So I believe today over the next few minutes that God wants to speak to you. But on the other side today, I believe there's another group and that's the group that you've been around a while. Um, you have, uh, been through the battles, you've been through the scars, you, you, you have, you've, you've progressed. You're not a, you're not a novice anymore. You've, you've found the rhythm of life. You found a rhythm walking with Jesus. And, uh, I believe there is something today I would like to, by the help of the Lord, challenge you. So we're going to, the Lord, by his grace today, is going to help sort of challenge two different categories. And more than likely, as the Lord does it, it's going to be mixed back and forth. So if you're in either one of these categories, if you're sort of a new believer, don't tune out. And if you're sort of a seasoned veteran, don't tune out uh, either. Because I believe the Lord, within this context, uh, um, uh, would like to challenge you today with something uh, that really is deep in my heart today. I woke up this morning with it and then um, sitting here for the last 15 minutes watching this countdown take place that we play in the beginning, um, this sort of the spiritual climate and uh, was sort of being charged with a lot of opposition to what I believe God wants to say today. And, um, so two, two weeks ago, we celebrated this life, death, and burial, 
life, death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And um, we kind of celebrate that and culminating with this idea that he's risen. And, you know, we celebrate that uh, Easter uh, signifies that he's alive. We don't serve a God that's dead. He's alive. And, and that's all wonderful and good. But this period of time in Scripture, we don't really give too much credence to, even though we do. But there's so much in this <clears throat> time period that actually we're in right now. We're two weeks out from um, Passover, uh, biblical Passover, about two weeks out of that. And uh, we are moving towards uh, a, another significant biblical mark, and that is uh, the festival or the day of Pentecost, which will happen here towards the end of May. Now, real quickly, to kind of give you the lay of the land, in case some of you are interested in knowing this, how do we know, how do we count? Well, if you take seven weeks plus one day, so 50 days um, from Passover, uh, and you add 50 days, you get Pentecost. And so we are currently right now in that cycle, that 50-day cycle. Now, here's the important significance to that is because Jesus did some things in that 50 days and there was some behavior in that period of time from when he arose to Pentecost that I would like to sort of draw your attention to this morning. Um, we watched it for just a few minutes, sort of a little bit of a funnier take on it. Uh, and it was funny, but also very, uh, uh, in some ways, very convicting as it was funny. And the fact of... Uh, do you, do I, treat Jesus as if he's still dead? Now, before you dismiss that, before you say, no, not I, I don't, I don't do that, I'm going to challenge you with some things today that maybe there's a part or some parts of Jesus that are dead or that you've allowed to die. And before you dismiss that, by the help of the Lord today, I want you to examine every aspect of this through the lens of the Word of God and through the lens of God's speaking to you. And maybe there are some places in you today that you still have Jesus in the grave and he's not alive. Because you see, kind of the video ended there with sort of this, uh, this attitude of Jesus played by this man kind of in a, in a little bit of a, uh, a comedial way, but Jesus is kind of saying, um, if I'm alive, why are you treating me like I'm dead? One of the um, best scriptures, I mean, you can't really say one scripture is better than the other. I think if you ask you today, do you have a favorite scripture? You might have a scripture that speaks to you today, or a lot of times I find in my life that that might change. One a period of time, if you ask me that question, I'd say, well, this is my favorite scripture. And if I'm going through another period of time, I'd say this. So I don't, I don't believe we could, you can really put one scripture above another. But one of the most impactful, if I could call it this, I'll use a modern day terminology. One of the best mic drop scriptures, right? If you don't know what mic drop is, I don't have time to explain. You probably can Google it and Google will tell you what it means. But one of the best mic drop scriptures ever is when they showed up at the tomb of Jesus after he resurrection. And the statement was, why do you look for the living among the dead? I just think that's one of the best mic drop scriptures in all the Bible. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, the argument that we all have, or we say, or the first thing actually is, well, God's not, we, I believe God's alive. I know God's alive, but Maybe if you go a little further with some things, maybe he's only partial alive. Maybe you've allowed some parts of him to live, other parts to die. Because if I go back and I look at the initial reaction of these men that we call the disciples, right? We got this list of guys who spent three and a half years with Jesus, right? They ate with him. They walked with him. They talked with him. I mean, these guys weren't just sort of uh, uh, cursory followers. They didn't just, they didn't hang back. These guys were with Jesus, like at his darkest hours, at his greatest triumph. They spent hours, hours walking with him. Um, I don't even know. I can't even imagine how many 
hours it would take in walking from the southern part of Israel to the northern part from Jerusalem to Capernaum. Um, these kind of back and forth uh, journeys that Jesus went on. And you're walking, you're not riding, you're not you know, taking a, uh, a, a train. This is hardcore walking step-by-step. Uh, step. And so there's a lot of time they're spending together with Jesus. And they hear all of these words that Jesus says. I mean, Jesus continues to repeat the purpose that he came to earth from. He continues to explain. He continues to tell them, you can tear me down, but in three days it's going to be built back up. Uh, he's, he tells them about the fact that he came to die, but, but it's not the end. And so he's repeatedly had this message, this, this message of redemption, this message of, of, of this establishing of this kingdom, this message of the fact that he, he is who he is. He's, he shares with, them, shares with people in their company that he is the Messiah. He is the one. And uh, even Peter uh, tells the group that day when Jesus asked, who do, who do men say that I am? They say, some say this, some say that. And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the son of God. You are this, you're that. And he goes, well done, Peter. Well done. Good job. You, you, got, you got a check mark. And I imagine Peter probably smiled a little bit like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Guys, seriously, if you need something, come to old Pete. Pete's got it. But they, they, it wasn't like they didn't know who they were hanging out with for three and a half years. I mean, they saw stuff that probably had to have just defied your imagination, right? They, they saw, they were the ones that carried these baskets of fish and bread that they watched uh, uh, supernaturally go from five loaves and two fish to this Massive amount of food that fed 5,000 and eventually left with baskets that were full at the end. They were the ones, that, it wasn't like they were the ones that actually just ate it. They carried it around. I mean, they watched Jesus walk on water. They watched him stand in a boat and say, peace be still, and the storm calm right before their eyes. They watched hundreds of times Jesus raise the dead heal the sick, blind men, the demon-possessed, the brokenhearted. They watch these things that sort of defy even our imagination. I think they're more believable to us today because we can replicate sort of these special effects on movies, right? We can, we can replicate these uh, effects and we can make them look, but, but think about this. I mean, still, to watch a dead person where Jesus stops a funeral procession and has the dead person get up or watch four dudes lower a guy out of the ceiling and Jesus heal him. I watch Jesus speak to a man who had been lame for over 38 years and in one moment he was healed, never to be the same. Or to watch someone with the most debilitating and... Uh, uh, just absolute, the ultimate death sentence to be uh, marked as a leper with leprosy and watch Jesus speak the word and the leprosy leave. You watched all this. So you're not coming from a place of, as a novice, right? You're not coming from a place where you're not really sure if he is who he says he is. You're not, but... By now, you've seen enough. You got to start to believe he is who he says he is, right? And then on top of that, I mean, you've heard crazy stories like, oh, by the way, uh, did you guys hear the story about Pete? Pete got all worked up when Jesus uh, was standing there. Some soldiers from um, the temple showed up. And, um, oh, Pete, you know Pete. He's always crazy. Pete pulled out a sword, uh, swung, and uh, he literally the guy just ducked. He did sort of like the Matrix move. And, and the sword just clipped his ear. You wouldn't believe it. I thought for sure. I mean, I thought Pete was done. I mean, I, I knew. It was like, well, there goes Pete. Um, after all this time. But you guys wouldn't believe what happened. Um, Jesus didn't even say anything. I couldn't believe it. I thought for sure. 
uh, either Pete was going to be immediately killed or Jesus was going to rebuke him. Because I remember that time Jesus turned to him and said, hey, get thee behind me. Remember that time? That was crazy. I will never forget that. But I thought for sure Jesus was going to light him up. But Jesus, I, it was the craziest thing. He reached down, picked up this guy's mangled ear. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was jacked up. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was rough. He picked up this ear and, and, and I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know if he was going to hold it to Peter and say, look what you've done. I, he, he picked up the ear and, um, he literally just put it back. And when he removed his hand, the ear was perfectly attached. I mean, I mean, Jesus has done some crazy stuff, guys. I've, we, but that was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. I mean, we, I remember the time he walked on water. That was, I mean, I thought that could not be topped. Or, I mean, could, I can still smell the fish from that day. We had all those baskets of fish left over. I mean, there were some things I thought for sure, it can't get better than this. It can't get more amazing than this. And then to watch him sort of in this, Lord, really, I mean, and don't, you remember too, it was really a rough time too because Jesus, his clothes were soaked with blood because he was praying to the Father and he was just, I mean, it was, we could hear the agony. And so he had all this against him. And, and in the midst of all that, he put the ear back on this guy. I mean, you're talking about just, I can't, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. This is where these guys were coming from, right? This is the background. I mean, maybe for you and I today, I didn't see five loaves and two fish turn to feed 5,000. I haven't seen Jesus walking on water. I've seen God do some amazing things, but I haven't seen God raise a dead person at a funeral. I haven't seen um, him call out someone from inside a grave like he did Lazarus. I've seen these things. They did. And so with all that being said, you would have thought instead of the reaction that they had when Jesus was on the cross and finally he uttered these famous words now of it is finished and the Bible says he gives up the ghost and finally he dies and they pull his broken and beaten and bloodied body off the cross and they carry him and they put him in this tomb and then they seal this stone, this giant stone is rolled into place. Then they put Roman guards in front of this tomb. You would think that these guys who had seen things that just defy imagination would have gone back to wherever they were going back to and say, guys, listen, hey, we need to just start celebrating because I'm telling you what, if you think what he did before was amazing, y'all are about to see some stuff. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be like? Because he already told us he was going to do it. And so far, everything he said he was going to do, he's done. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when, when he gets, I mean, I, was, I want to be there. I'm telling you, I, I want to be there when those Roman soldiers realize that he's not in that tomb. I mean, I wish we could. I wish we could be there. You think we could go hide in the bushes? Because he said something about day three. So maybe we can go there, like around day two and a half, in case he decides to come early. Let's. We should hide in the bushes and we should watch. Because I'm telling you what, it's going to be epic. Because I mean, these Roman soldiers. I mean, these guys. They think they are. I mean, they're all the way from Rome out in this our little town of Jerusalem, they think they're all being bad. They have no idea what's about to go down. And man, I want to see it. Because Jesus already told me it's going to happen. And so far, everything he said, he's going to, I mean, so I think we should go hang out at the tomb because it's going down. And I cannot wait to see. Do you guys remember how big that stone was? I mean, I thought for sure they weren't going to be able to move it. It took like 12 guys to push that thing into place. I mean, it's got to be epic when, when God just kind of picks it up and moves it, and they're going to be like, who moved the stone? And I was going, oh, I don't know who moved the stone. I mean, you're talking about completely utter amazement. And I'm sure when they see this, they're probably going to fall down and go, I believe. And we should be right there to tell them, see, we told you we were right, you were wrong. You shouldn't have crucified him because he's God. I mean, this is going to be epic. We should be there. But yet, after this most significant historical event in all of history takes place, 
the death of Jesus Christ, the, the three days in the grave, and then the ultimate return, we find one of the most puzzling things in scripture that we can find, and that is, let me look it up here because I wasn't going to read it, but I would like to read it here. John chapter 20, because I want you to see this scripture here, because I want you to see what I'm talking about. Let me see here, where would it be? John 20. Uh, see, verse number, bear with me just for a moment, make sure I get the right one. Yeah. All right, here we go. So, John 20 starts off with this narrative with the empty tomb, Peter coming to the tomb. We see Mary Magdalene come into play where Jesus says, woman, why you're weeping, whom you're seeking. And he tells her this sort of idea, don't cling to me. And um, we find in verse uh, 19 of John 20, it says this, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again, peace be to you. As the Father sent me, I send you. Notice this. Get this. I want you to play this out, right? Peter and a group had already seen the empty tomb, right? Then Mary is the first one we see have interaction with Jesus, that this back and forth comes and Jesus gives this famous line, you know, don't touch me. And um, that word there, touch, doesn't talk about physically, just, oh, you know, get off me, don't touch me. It was more of this idea, don't cling to me, because this idea that it conveys there uh, is the fact she was trying to hold on to what she thought Jesus was, that she could not accept who he had become. Because she had already imagined him as this person had been so influential in her life for almost three years, that in order for him to become something greater than that, she had to let go of who she thought Jesus was so she could embrace who he had become. That's a point I've said this before. I used, I taught about this a couple months ago. Sometimes you got to let go of how you think Jesus should be so you can embrace what Jesus is becoming. Antioch West, can I tell you just in the Holy Ghost and you would receive this for those of you that have can mix it with faith? We've got to let go with the way we think God has operated so we can cling to and begin to embrace where God is taking us. But some of us cannot embrace where God is taking us as long as we're clinging on to what we knew and what we know. And because we can't let go of those things, we can't embrace where God's taking us. And Jesus said to him, don't, said to her, don't cling to me. She turned, look, go back. I'm, I'm, this is a huge point. Time out for a second. I can't pass this up. This is not where we're going today. We're going to get back to that real quickly here, but I can't pass this up because someone needs to hear what I'm saying again because I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to speak to those of you that are a part of Antioch West that you're struggling in between these two worlds of trying to embrace where God's taking us as a body. But in the, in the meantime, there's some things about the way things used to be that you're still clinging on to and you're yearning for those things to go back the way they are. And Jesus uh, says to her, Mary, she turned to him and said, Rab, Rabbani, which is to say teacher, meaning she was still calling him by what she knew him to be. But he returned to her and said, Jesus said to her, don't cling to me. Don't cling to the fact I used to be your rabbi here. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to the brethren and say, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. Notice it had changed from, hey, rabbi, I want to see you again to now. I understand he's going from teacher to Lord. There's a transition he's taking me to or taking us to. And in order for that transition to take place, I've got to let go of one thing to grab a hold of the other. We always look at letting go of things in the past as the negative things. But I got to be frank with you. Not everything you got to let go of is negative. Sometimes you got to let go of things that actually got you to where you were. Woo, come on, somebody. 
Oh, I feel Jesus right now. I'm stopping right there on this point. I don't care if I don't go anywhere else right now. Jesus is trying to get somebody to understand. You've got to let go of things sometimes, not just the bad things, but you've got to go let go of the things that used to work or that got you here so you can embrace a new dimension in Christ Jesus. There was a time where this, this, this golden serpent worked. God had them fashion it. And it worked, but then because it worked one time, they kept trying to repeat it when God said, we're moving past that. Just because it worked one time, just because it worked for a period of time, doesn't mean that God wants us to stay there. God hasn't asked us to rebuild the temple, rebuild the holy of holies, rebuild the holiest of holies. We're not going to build an altar and a brazen labor. We're not going to build a table of shoe bread. We're not going to build the lampstand. We're not going to build the Ark of the Covenant. We're not going to build this tent, this tabernacle. We could do it. We could read the instructions. We could gather all the material. We could spend hours and hire the greatest craftsmen that there is. And we could create everything down to the most minute detail that's given to us in scripture. We could weave the fabric as given to us. We could weave this fabric, this the outer layer of otter skin. And, and we could even put the goat skin layer and the goat hair layer. And we could do all the things that the Bible talks about. We could even... We could even put the, uh, the, the the stakes in the ground and the cords all according to what God did. And we could do all that and we could say, okay, God, we did what you told us to do. And God's going to go, yeah, um, hello, I never told you that was for you. I did that at a period of time, but now is the time to let go of that so you can embrace the fact that instead of a temple made with hands, that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, but that's in the word of God. The word of God tells us we could to do all these things, that God's going to abide in this holiest of holies. You're right. It said it for that period of time. But we can look at those things and we can look at the patterns by which God laid out. But God's not calling you and I to build a, temp, a table of shoe bread. He's not calling us to build an altar. He's not calling us to bring in our most prized animals out of our field to sacrifice before him because he became the lamb slain. So if you want forgiveness of sins today, you don't have to go out and get your prized lamb and slaughter it at the altar. You have to receive the gift of forgiveness from the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Behold the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. So can I tell somebody today, Mary is the great example of something we all need to be challenged with in order to take where God wants to take you in your walk with God and us collectively of Antioch West, We've got to be willing to let go of some things and even things that worked. I'm not saying everything we did or everything we let go of is bad stuff. We always think of, I got to let go of sin. I got to let go of my past. I got to let go of hurt. I got to let go of forgiveness. Yeah, those are things you need to let go. But sometimes you need to let go of things that got you to where you were. Sometimes you got to think, you've got to, you've got to let go of some things that were instrumental in your formation so that you can embrace the dimension that God has for you. Antioch West, I'm telling you right now, we're in this transitional period. We're in this period between Pentecost and uh, between Passover and Pentecost. We're in this transition that God has tried to resurrect something and we're trying to find what that is. But in order to get where we're going, we've got to be willing to say, okay, God, everything behind us is behind us. What do you want us to do now? get this idea right they'd already seen this and jesus had all this they, they know he was alive they'd seen the empty tomb they know that he what the body wasn't stolen and then mary tells them guys i saw him i was there it's real you won't believe it but i saw him he talked to me called me by my name but then we find them in a locked room the bible says they are afraid of the jews but it was a fear that was even greater because when jesus showed up and stood in the midst of them, he said, peace be with you. But watch what happens. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Whoa, time out. You missed that. You missed it. You missed it. I got to get that again. You, I know I can tell. It went right over, right over your head. Watch what it. They're in a locked room. The doors were shut. Remember? I mean, this was the one where... The door knocked and they're like, who is it? 
they were like, you know, it was, they were, they were screening the door for who could come in and Jesus shows up in the middle of the room. A dead guy shows up in the middle of the room. The door doesn't open. The walls don't shake. It's just, there he isn't. There he is. He's not there. Boom. Ta-da. He shows up in the middle of the room. I got to be frank with you. If I was sitting right here right now and Jesus just straight up appeared right next to me, after I got back up off the floor from passing out, I mean, I'd be like, oh, I don't even think I could speak. I right now, if you were watching this today and you were sitting in your chair at your house or wherever you are right now, and you looked over, all of a sudden, Jesus Christ was sitting right next to you. The door didn't ring. You didn't open the door. You never got off the couch, but he sat right there and he turned to you and said, hello, and called you by your name. I don't know how you were. I'd probably pass out. I wish I could tell you. would be like, oh, Jesus, this is amazing. I'd pass out. I would definitely pass out. When Jesus shows up in this room, watch what happens. They were so fixated on where they were that he had to, sh he, a dead guy who shows up in the middle of the room had to show them his hands, show him show them his side where he had been pierced. And then the Bible says, then they were glad when they saw the Lord. Meaning they didn't believe it was Jesus until he showed more evidence. Why? Because I still think they were operating with a dead Jesus. Because if you really believe that Jesus Christ was not in that tomb and you believe, you would think you would not have been in that room locked up, but you would have been proudly proclaiming, he's risen, he's risen. We haven't seen him yet, but the tomb is empty. And we know the Romans wouldn't have let him out because you know how the Romans operate. He's risen. And even Mary said that he's risen. She saw him. We haven't seen him yet, but I'm telling you, the moment we see him, it doesn't matter. He's a, hey, everybody, you can throw stones at us. You can hate us all you want, but I'm telling you right now, Jesus is alive. But no, they didn't feel that way. Dead Jesus. They had a dead Jesus in their mind. And it wasn't until he showed up showed their hands, showed them evidence that he transitioned from dead to alive. What does that mean for you and I today? Why is that a challenge to us today? Because you know what? I think some of us still have parts of Jesus that are dead. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's the case. Because you know what? To be frank with you, if we really believe Jesus is who he says he is, if I really believe that he is who he says he is, and I believe he is who he proclaims to be, then I got to be frank with you. I should act like it. I got a challenging question for you today. And I know by asking this question, I probably will offend someone, but that's okay. Because I'm not offending you. It's the words of Jesus that might offend you. If I spent a day with you, a day, and I went with you, whether it was to work or hung out at your house or observed you, and I watched you for a day, and, not, and, and let's actually, let's be fair, because everybody has a rough day. So let's, let's be fair. Um, let's do a week. That may be, that may be a little more of a, a better sample size. If I hung out with you for a week and I watched and observed you, if I could be some kind of fly on the wall or potentially I could set up hidden cameras and followed you wherever you went so I could hear how you talked, watch how you interact, watch how you did, uh, and I could kind of hang out with you from that perspective for a week. So I watched you go to work, watched what you did at home, all this stuff. And I, you never talk to me. You, you don't even know I'm there. I just, I'm watching. I'm, I'm, I'm observing. But I'm watching you. Listening to what you say. Seeing how you operate. Watching your attitude, your conduct. 
watching how you navigate the ups and downs of your week. If I watched you for seven days, 14 days, 21 days, 28 days, even, when all that was said and done, and I've observed you for 28 days, 21 days, whatever the period of time would be, greater than a day, I'll give you greater than a day. Now, Kenneth, you're not, you don't know I'm there, so you don't have a chance to plead your case. You're just doing your thing. I'm watching. At the end of that period, if you interviewed me or someone interviewed me and said, okay, I want you to give an assessment of this person's life. I want you to give me a breakdown of their values. I want, you to, I want to give you a breakdown of, of how they live their life. At the end of that 28 days, 21 days, whatever it might be, would I be able to start the sentence off with, well, first of all, this person is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Would that be the first sentence that I started with? Would your life being lived out the way you are? I don't care if you never leave your house. I don't care if you're quarantined during that period of time. I don't care if you work from home, you stay at home, you watch church from home, you never leave your house, you have food delivered by DoorDash or Uber Eats, you have your groceries delivered to you by Walmart, you never leave your house. You, you're, you, everything is brought to you. Amazon brings you your supplies, Walmart, wherever. You never leave your house. You're in your house, whether you're, that's your life or you're every day leaving. At the end of that assessment, how would I define your life? Now, ooh, time out. I'm going to say something that's going to be a little controversial, but that's okay. I know some of you would be like, well, of course you would know. Look at the way I'm... I dressed. I can be a, I'm going to give you a better buzzer. wish I had a, a sound effect for a buzzard. Sorry. Sorry. We're not fooled by the way you look. We're not fooled by it. So don't give me that religious mumbo jumbo. Because I'm sorry. If that's all we have to tell the type of person you are, you got filthy rags. I am not say any more plainer than that. I'm sure I've offended someone, and I'm sure someone thinks that I'm losing my, losing my mind by saying that. It's truth whether or not you want to hear it or not. Nope. Could I see? Because Paul said it this way. We are living epistles. Read of all men. Now, here's the point. If you catch me today, you'd be like, oh, of course, look at this. I mean, this guy is at home watching this man on the screen. He must really love Jesus. Or better yet, oh, this person goes to church a couple of days a week. They've got a fish, Jesus fish on the back of their car. they got a cross on their neck. they got a I love Jesus honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. So, of course, they must love Jesus. What if we took all that away? Could they still see him in you? You see, Paul said it this way, Galatians chapter 2, and this is where I'm heading at today, Galatians chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to read the end of it, even though there's so much here to unpack. Oh, it's so hard not to just get caught up into some of this stuff, but I'm going to be uh, focused today and stay with what the Lord has given me. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 17. But if we, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I have destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For though I, but for I though through the law died to the law that I might live to God, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives, 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 lives in me. And the life, the life, the living, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live how? In, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I do not set aside, I do not frustrate, I do not mismanage the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Paul saying it this way, that the Christ that's living in me is a, a living Christ. He's not a dead Christ. I don't walk around as if Christ is dead. I walk around believing that he is alive. When I woke up this morning, I had the choice. What kind of God was I going to fellowship today? Was I going to fellowship with a dead God or was I going to fellowship with a living God? What's the difference? Well, you know what? When you fellowship with a dead God, you spend all your day in going, God, forgive me for this. God, I don't want to do this. God, don't want to do this. But you see, that's the problem. When you fellowship with a dead God, Paul said, if righteousness comes by the law, meaning if righteousness comes by just simply, he wasn't knocking the law. He wasn't saying you, you, you don't follow anything. People have taken that verse and saying, Paul was saying, see, you don't need to do anything. It's just all live by grace. Go live it up. Whoop, whoop, raise the roof because God doesn't care. That's not what Paul was saying. You might want to read, a, read again a few times because you got a little bit of a wrong interpretation of old Paul because Paul was still walking in accordance to the law. But Paul was saying, I'm not walking in accordance to the law because the law is going to make me righteous. I'm walking in the fact that he has, he lives in me and because he lives in me and his, his, his blood has washed in and, and made me free, that his life is now in me. It's not because of what I do that determines this. It's because this Christ that's in me, because if it's simply about me just trying to adhere, so now instead of going to the temple, Paul was saying basically a little bit like this, instead of going to the temple to get forgiven of my sins, now I'm just going to go to Christ and get forgiven my sins. And just by going back and, oh, I did wrong, forgive me. Oh, I did wrong, forgive me. Oh, I messed up, forgive me. Oh, I And that's your entire existence with God. Then Christ died in vain. Jesus Christ did not simply die just to forgive you. He died to live in you. Oh, dear Lord, help us today. Religion has let us keep Jesus Christ on the cross. I'm not diminishing the power of the cross. I'm not diminishing the power of Calvary. I'm not diminishing the fact that Jesus Christ, while we were yet sinners, died for our sins. I'm not diminishing for the fact today that whatever you've done, Jesus Christ can forgive you and wash you and make you whole. But God did not come to this earth to die on a cross and stay on a cross. He came to this earth to live, to die, to be resurrected, but not only only live with you but live in you it's time for somebody to take Jesus Christ down off the cross and instead of keeping him on the cross put him in your heart and let him walk with you every day and let the life that you now live live not by the flesh but live by faith in the Son of God working in you because when you're walking around with a living Jesus people will notice dead people don't get that much attention Dead people don't get that much attention. So when you're hanging out with a dead Jesus, hey, everybody, look at, I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Who wants to follow a dead God? Who wants to follow? One of the greatest testimonies we have, the fact is you can go and visit the tombs of some of the greatest. You can deliver this tomb. You can go to this tomb. You can see, but you can't find where Jesus Christ is buried. Why? Because he's not there anymore. He's alive. But so many of us walk around and obey based of our conduct and who we are and the way we act and the way we live our life and what we value. We've got a dead Jesus. But it's time for us to let Jesus live. Don't put him in the grave. Don't keep him in the grave. Don't keep him at the cross. The cross made the difference. The cross was the greatest place of sacrifice and redemption. And I'm so thankful for the cross. But watch this. You don't believe what I'm saying? You say, well, I don't know about that. Time out for a second. Hold on. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. I'm, I'm, trying, to go, I'm trying to close here, but somebody's arguing with me. I'm going to help you out here a little bit with this whole thing called Scripture. Hebrews chapter 6. Are you ready? And we're going to read a couple verses here in Hebrews chapter 6. And I love, I, my, I don't know how your Bible works. I've got this. I've got the version Bible. I just like it because it's got multiple versions in it. But you version, or maybe the Bible you're using, they put headings. Now, the headings weren't originally in Scripture. But they do that to kind, of, to kind of summarize the next few verses and kind of give you the point. Sometimes, actually, I think they get it wrong. But I, it was interesting. 
the heading that they have. Now, I don't know if you can see this because probably a glare and it's not very, yeah, it's, it's really, the glare is kind of rough. But at the top, there's a heading there. And the heading in the U version, if you're using the U version, I'm reading out of the New King James. So if you've got the U version app, whether it's on Android or Apple, go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. And if you put in New King James Version Bible, I don't know what it says in the other versions, but the New King James, the heading, I love this heading. I love it. It says the peril of not progressing. The peril of not progressing is the heading. Verse number one, therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, meaning we've got to get past the cross. We can't keep going back to the cross because if we keep going back to the cross, we never let Christ live. We keep Christ dead. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith. Do I believe God wants to forgive you of your sins today if you've never had that happen? Yes. Do I believe he wants to wash you away in the power of baptism? Yes. But he wants to do that so that you can live and he can live through you, not so you can keep going back to that moment. Some of you have been walking with Jesus, quote unquote, for 15 years, but you've never left Calvary. Notice this. Come on, somebody. I'm not diminishing the power of the cross. Forgive me for getting excited, but I'm trying to get somebody to see something here in the Holy Ghost. Notice this. Notice this for a second. I've never said this in my entire life, but the Lord just put this in my spirit. I'm not diminishing Calvary. I'm not diminishing the empty tomb. Don't take what I'm saying and twist it as if I'm trying to say the cross and Calvary was of no, no value. I'm not trying to say today that the empty tomb doesn't hold significance. It does. It does. Yes, it does. But where in scripture do you find Peter or John or Paul or James or Mary or anybody else going back to Calvary and hanging out on the hill? And saying, this was the spot, guys. Do you guys know that this was the spot? I know the tree's gone, but, but this was the spot. Oh, let's go up here and let's just touch the ground where the blood fell. Oh, this was the spot, guys. This was it. This is where he was. This was that day he said it was finished. Oh, this was amazing. Hey, when you guys are done, let's go over to the tomb. Let's just go see it again. Oh, Oh, I want to go see the tomb. Let me see the tomb. I want to see the tomb. Oh, the tomb. There it is. Oh, it's still empty. Oh. They didn't do that. Peter and John were going in the temple in Acts chapter 3, and they looked at the lame man at the gate beautiful that said, was calling out to them, and they didn't say, hey, buddy, listen. If you want to be healed, we've got an answer for you. If you got a minute, when we're done praying, when we come back out, we're going to take you to this place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. We're going to take you to this place. It's called Golgotha, but I like to call it Calvary. And listen, oh, this is so good, man. We're going to take you to this hill, and we're going to show you where this Jesus died for you. And then when we're done, we're going to carry you over to the empty tomb. And you're going to see the empty tomb. And you're going to go, he's not there. And when you see that, you'll know he loves you. Oh, it's going to be great. we got to show it to you. Come on, we're going to take you. we got to go in the temple for a few minutes and pray. When we come out, just make sure you're here. We're going to take you. Did he do that? He turned to them and said, silver and gold have we not but such as we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk because the living Jesus that was in them transferred to that guy. And it wasn't a dead Jesus that caused him to live. It was a living Jesus that caused him to get up out of that condition. Do you know why we can't reach the world around us? Do you know why people at work or our neighborhood or everywhere else we go don't see Jesus? Because we're trying to give them a Jesus that's dead. I won't knock it. I won't, I won't call it out. But there are certain religions, certain beliefs, certain Christian faith that their whole basis of their faith is repeatedly celebrating the death of Christ. Every time you come together, you repeat the same, same celebration of the death of Christ. 
I'm not against the death of Christ. If it wasn't for the cross of Calvary, you and I would not be here. But he did not want to stay on the cross. He got off the cross and got out of the grave. I'm glad today they call it the garden tomb in, in Israel. You go to Jerusalem and call it the garden tomb. Then they discover another tomb. I don't know if the garden tomb was Jesus' tomb or not. Some have said they go there and they feel great peace. I don't know if it's because they just it's a great spot and it's very amazing. I don't know if that was actually the tomb. I don't know. I have a hard time believing it is because I don't believe Jesus ever wanted to make his tomb a shrine. Man, I feel Jesus trying to get to help somebody. Forgive me for getting animated here, but I don't believe Jesus wanted to make his tomb a shrine. I would believe he wanted the tomb to represent it's empty and you don't need to go back there because I want you to walk with me going forward. Mm, somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying it. Jesus is saying it. Let's finish Hebrews chapter 6. I'm almost done. Bear with me for a moment. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. Let's read it again, right? It's called the peril of not progressing according to... Uh, Good old you version. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms. Plural, because there's two baptisms, water and spirit, just in case that wasn't a typo. There's not one baptism. There's two baptisms, water and spirit. So in case you're wondering, why is it baptisms, not baptism? Because there's not just one baptism. Jesus said in John chapter 3, be born of the water and of spirit. Be baptized in water, baptized in spirit. Returning of the doctrine of baptism, laying on the hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put them to an open shame. Notice this. It's talking about putting Jesus Christ back on the cross. That if we don't progress and we keep falling back and keep repeating things over again and falling back once we've been enlightened, once we've stepped into the light and once we've walked in the light and then we fall back because of our flesh or our own decisions or whatever else, when we go back, it's like we're saying, okay, God, we need you to get back to the cross. We got to put you back on the cross. We got to start, whoa, whoa, time out. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, but not I live, but Christ lived in me. If anybody should be on the cross today, Jesus should be off the cross and your flesh should be on the cross. Mm. If I had a mic, I'd drop it right now. I need a fake mic. Drop it. If you want somebody on the cross, put Jesus off the cross. Let Jesus live. And then you climb yourself up on that cross because Jesus said, if anyone follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. So if you want, to, you want somebody on the cross, let Jesus free and you get up there. Because your flesh is the thing that needs to be on Calvary's hill that Jesus Christ can live. Can I tell you today, for those of you that don't know anything about Jesus, he wants to show you he's not a dead God. Wherever you are today, whatever you're going through, whatever life you're having to deal with today, I'm not offering you a dead Jesus. I'm offering you a living Jesus, a God that wants to come in you. And I'm sorry, the more I talk about this, maybe it's just me. I'm getting excited because I'm realizing, wait a minute, I don't want a dead Jesus. If I'm living, if I'm, if I'm walking with a living Jesus, oh man. Forgive me for getting excited. I'm not trying to just get emotional. I'm actually getting excited because I'm realizing living a life with a living Jesus is the best thing. Does that mean life is perfect? Oh, dear God, no. Does that mean there's not days I want to run into that wall? A lot, a lot of days. But I have the opportunity to live with Christ in me. What an opportunity. The Bible says that the things of the flesh bring death. If you're fellowshipping with things today that are bringing death, things of the flesh, and sometimes the things of the flesh aren't even necessarily what we call moral sins. Things of the flesh don't always speak to morality. Things of the flesh think are ways by which we're trying to live. So we live our life through pleasure. We live our life through achievement. We live our life through success. We live our life through uh, family. We live our life through friends. We live our life through now it's YOLO, right? You only live once. That's the attitude of the current generation of young people. The YOLO life, you only live once. So you know what? They're saying by masses, by masses, 
that 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 millennials are giving up the the American dream as we see it, and they're giving up for experiences. They don't want to spend money on on things that weigh them down. They want experiences. They want to go out and experience life. They want to do adventure. They want to travel. They want to go to places they can experience life because millennials are craving for life. They want real life. Can I be honest with you? No wonder by the masses are millennials leaving the faith or they're not accepting the faith because they're looking for life and we're trying to offer up a dead Jesus because he's not living in us. I'm sorry, you can't give a living Jesus if he's not living in you. If I watched you for 28 days, would I see a dead Jesus or a living Jesus? Paul, every day I, I pay my, my, my penance, Father, I pray today that you would forgive me for all of my sins I've committed today. Everything I've done, God, forgive me. I'm not knocking that. I pray repentance every day. I want to live a life of repentance, but I don't want to live a life that keeps me in repentance. I want to live a life that reminds me of the fact that I can't do this without him. He lives through me, and there are times where I'm not going to do that the way I need to, and it's his grace and his blood that washes and forgives me, but doesn't mean I've got to keep living in Calvary's shadow. I know some of you are like, oh my God, you can't do this to Calvary. Calvary's everything. It is. But I don't want to live in Calvary's shadow. If the believers of the New Testament didn't hang out at the foot of Golgotha, by God, we shouldn't either. If they didn't have church in front of the empty tomb, why are we trying to have it? It's time for us to get out of Calvary's shadow. It's time for us to live the sh leave the shrine of the empty tomb. There's a lot of churches that have built shrines over what they consider to be holy sites. But Jesus never asked us to build a shrine to a holy site. He asked us to be the example, not to build an example. We're no different than a lot of people we judge. We just do it a little differently because we're supposed to live. So let's, can I be honest with you? It's time to let Jesus live. Stop letting telling everybody about a dead Jesus. Stop trying to walk with a dead Jesus, but it's time to let Jesus live. It's time to let Jesus live. Wherever you are today, whatever, whatever progression you are in your walk with Jesus Christ today, it's time that you let Jesus Christ live. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you for this word. I felt your spirit. I felt the challenge. You've said things today that we didn't want to hear, but we needed to hear. And Lord, not just... Let the words be spoken, but I pray today that the spirit and faith that you want us to have would be resurrected in us today. Lord, because you're trying to take us to new dimensions. You're trying to show us new revelations. You're trying to show us new sides of you, but we can't get there if we're not willing to accept you as a living Savior. If we're not willing to let you live in us. So Father, today by faith, we let you off the cross and we submit ourselves to the cross that we would die that you might live that we would decrease that you might increase that is not my life but your life through me that if someone examined my life for 28 days they would leave seeing you more than they see me yes I have moments where I'm Joel the man and I fall into my fleshly ways but in the end, they would be able to see you because it's you that's living in me. And the life that I live, I live through you and by you as you flow through me. Today, God, I remove you off the cross. Today, God, I don't worship any longer at the shrine of the empty tomb. But Father, just like Peter and John, I take you with me to the hurting at the gate. I take you with me to Cornelius' house. I take you with me to the highways and byways and hedges that people will see you in me, that not for my glory, but for your glory, that I would be your conduit. And for those of you today, God, that are searching to find you, like they've never found you before, or they're looking for an answer, or they're desiring to have an experience, but they don't know what it is, I pray today that you would reveal yourself to them like you revealed yourself to Mary that day. But you would reveal themselves, and they would be willing to let go of what they think so they can embrace what you're showing them. 
God, I know you're doing something in the midst of Antioch West. You're doing something in me. You're doing something in all of us. Lord, I pray by your grace today that you would give us the grace to walk in that. Because I know in the end, you're trying to do something greater than we can even imagine. But it can't be done by might. It can't be done by power. It's got to be done by you and you through you. And only you. In Jesus' name. Praise God. God bless you. It was so awesome to have you today. I really sincerely pray today that you were challenged by what God was saying to you. Antioch West, I pray that we were challenged by what God was saying to us as a church. We don't have a dead Jesus. Time to let Jesus get off of Calvary. And it's time to stop worshiping at the shrine of the empty tomb. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Let's live like it. Let's act like it. Let's believe like it. And let's let the living Christ live in us. In Jesus' name. God bless you. For those of you that will want to join us tonight, 730, right at home, come hang out with us. And then Tuesday Talks, Digging Deeper, Friday Devotional, and then back again next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. God bless you. Those of you that are part of the Life Group, man, this is a good one. Go digest it. Challenge yourself with it. Apply it. And let's go be the light to our dark world. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We'll see you again next time.